Hey guys, how y'all doing? Really? Oh my gosh. I gotta be honest with you. I different number than you would normally use. And the reason why is all of that is going to our cell phones so that we can be able to answer those. Um, before I introduce uh, the wonderful esteemed panel who's up here, I want to tell you a couple of things happening. Mark's story. Wasn't that awesome? Yes. God is doing some amazing things. And I'm telling you, he's doing some amazing things. Uh, to be with you guys and to serve along with you guys. Second thing is this, is uh, as you know, we've been talking for the past three weeks, we've been doing a uh, financial series. And let's just be honest, usually in church world, financial series, nobody likes them, right? And I totally get that. Well, it's one of those things that uh, our bookkeeper, she texted me today, and I'm looking forward to that, says, before you preach, can I have the website to watch from home? And that's onechurchmedia.tv, and you can go there and go there. Anyway, so, uh, but our bookkeeper texted us and said, um, let me compare last month's, last year's offering during this time to this year. So this is what uh, Jamie texted me this morning. November 1st through November the 23rd of 2013, we received about $18,000 in tithes and offerings. Uh, this past year, November, so this month, November 1st to November the 23rd of 2014, we received $62,700. I've heard from two families this week, two people that I love and respect, that they said, you know what, this is the very first time that I've ever tied. I've ever given 10%. And I just want to say thank you so very much for doing that. You know, we, we said in this throughout the series from you. It's what we want something for you. And it's one of those things is when you start honoring God with your money, it's just like it's a breath of fresh air. It's an invitation for God to get involved with your finances. So um, I also want to say this. If you'll tithe, just try God. It's one of those test things. Uh, and we've done this a couple times, but over the next 30, 60 days, if you need that money back, we'll cut you a check back. We've done that a couple times at one church. All the time, and no one has ever asked for their money back. Uh, because God always provides. Um, so I just want to say, uh, just test God and try that. Um, I just want to again thank you guys for giving and tithing. And that's a 78% jump from last year. Oh my gosh, isn't that crazy? So also, um, some of you guys, you know that we actually uh, uh, we actually uh, closed on our land a couple weeks ago. And the sign's out there. So you can walk in the let me tell you and introduce the folks who are up here. Uh, to the your left, my right, is Patrick Fowler. Hey, Patrick is our small groups pastor and our next steps pastor. And he can be reached at Patrick at OneChurch.tv. So give it up for Pat. Dave Thompson is one of our student pastors. Hey, guys. You can reach Dave at Dave at OneChurch.tv and uh, any questions. Michael Ortizal, he's one of our worship pastors. Hey, guys. You can reach Michael at Michael at OneChurch.tv. So, this is my wife, Kim. 
And you can reach her at kwedmondson.com. So I know that's kind of a... And my name's Chris, and Chris at one church. So, all right, well, we're going to take you guys' questions. So, um, has anybody text questions in yet? If not, it's going to be a really short service. We know what you're doing. Scary yeah. contest. We have any fresh ones. We just have the ones from the 9 o'clock. Absolutely. Go ahead. Go ahead, Pat. Um, oh, man, there were, there were a lot. Uh, good ones to choose from. The... Um, the first one we'll start with is the one that got asked earlier this week, and it's, it's how do I get restarted in my Christian life? How do I uh, recommit myself or, or get going again after kind of being off the bandwagon with, with uh, faith? So anybody want to start on that one? Yeah, I can, I can just jump into that. Um, something cool about, uh, there's, there's a few, few things to look at. Uh, one, if you had committed your life to Christ at some point in time, uh, like we, we believe here that that's it. Like, you, you're saved, you, you have that relationship, uh, you are in good with God, and, and you don't have to go through, like, four, five, six salvations to finally make it stick. Like, you know, some of us, we like to pray that prayer every night, just in case. Um, but the fact is, is you, you, once, you, once you accept Christ as your Savior, like, that's it, you're done, you're saved, you're good. Um, the other part is, uh, you really have to question, you know, did you uh, ask God into your life? Did you do that in the past? And if you haven't, then that's your starting point. Um, your starting point is just saying, hey, you know what? Uh, God, I'm not sure exactly if this happened 14, 15, two years ago, however long. Um, but, you know, here's my life. And, you know, you gave me yours, so I'm going to give you mine. And, and uh, let's just see how this goes. That's what's up. Um, not to steal Kim's answer, but I think she put it really well in my service as well. You know, it, it's a God is our Father. When you think about it, you've you've done things that upset your father in the past. Getting started with God is like getting started with your dad again. You you got to go and you got to have that hard conversation of yeah, you know, we disagree. Yeah, I disobeyed. Yeah, you know, this is where we're at. Where do we where do we go from here? Um, just because you have a disagreement, just because you disobey your father, it does, you don't cease to be family. Um, and God is, as Dave said last several days, God is ready to have you. He is excited. Um, Jesus tells a story of a son who went and spent everything that his father had given him, all of the inheritance that his father was willing to give, um, squandered it away um, in, in a lifestyle that the father would not have approved of. And, uh, and when he touched the end of the driveway, the father came running out of the house and, and ran to him and gave him a robe and a ring. And clothe them. Uh, the father was ready for the son to get back. It's just a matter of turning around and saying, "God, I'm ready. Let's step back into it." There's no ceremony. There's no uh, big things to it. But you can you can add something significant if you want to mark the bone. But ultimately, it's just about taking that next step back towards a father that you disobeyed. I was just sharing. Sorry, Michael. I was sharing earlier that um, you know if we turn the tables around. Um, and we think about if we have been in a situation where someone has hurt our feelings um, or we're in a friendship where things are a little bit rocky and that person comes to us to restore the relationship. I don't know of many of us that wouldn't just be thrilled to have someone come and say, man, I messed up and I know that I hurt you and I'm so sorry. That how would we feel when someone comes to us and, and does that or says that? I mean, I know for me, I'm always just so blown away by that and just so um, relieved and honored and thankful that someone cares enough for me to come back to me and say, I care so much about this relationship and I want it to be good. And how much more is the heart of our Father like that? 
Just as we long for our relationships to be good and for our friendships to be good, that's the same way God is with us. He longs for us. He doesn't sit up there with some little checklist and, oh, you didn't do this, and, oh, that wasn't quite right, and, oh, I'm sorry, you'll have to go back and redo that. That's not the heart of a father. That's not the heart of our God. He is full of love and compassion and grace and mercy. And when we come back to him, he's like, come on, girl, I got you. So um, I just love that picture of him and that he longs for us. Going off of that... um, the verse that connects with that is, is Romans 8, 1 says, There's therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus. What that means is, essentially, there's no guilt and there's no shame in, in, in being connected and having a relationship with Jesus Christ. What that means is that, like, you can have been away from God for a while. You can have messed up and, and just ran from Him. But that, like, there's no shame in it. He's just going to celebrate the moment that you're like, you know what? God, I've missed you and I want to be with you. Um, and so that for me is something that was huge because I kind of was like, man, I felt so much shame any time that I would kind of spend a lot of time away from God. Uh, but the thing is, like, he doesn't want to make you, like, sit in the corner and dwell on the fact that you've been away from him. He just wants you with him as soon as possible. Um, so. Somebody asked the question that goes along with this, what happens if you're a Christian and you continue to sin? And that's essentially what we're answering here is, uh, it will ruin the quality of your relationship and the joy that you have in your relationship with God, but it's not going to affect the fact that you have a relationship with God. Um, that you just gotta, you've got to do what it takes to, to beat back that sin, to fight it, and, uh, and to get back on track with God relationally. So um, someone asked what their favorite passage of the Bible was, and the answer that they gave after we gave ours last service was Romans 7. Romans 7 is a chapter on Paul basically saying, I want to do what's right, and yet there's something in me that constantly drags me back to what's wrong. That's that's a struggle we all have, um, and uh, and it's one that will hurt your relationship with God. Right in the end. A great example of this, Chris actually asked this question in the first service, but if you're here and you're a Christ follower and you still struggle with sin, raise your hand. You know, <laughs> it should be just about all of us, um, unless Jesus is in the building. Yeah, if, if you don't raise your hand, I'm going to be in the service. You know, uh, uh, an overused uh, Bible verse is, and it's uh, one of my favorites, and uh, of course it should be just about everybody's favorites, but it's John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, uh, so that all who can believe will have eternal life. So um, what's interesting about that is, for God so loved the world, like what does the world mean? The world is, it's a sinful system, it's a bunch of people who who just constantly break God's heart, and God so loved the world. Uh, you know, not, they don't even say, for God loved the world. They say, for God so loved the world. Like, have you ever met someone who has a case of, like, the so loves? Like, so loves, it's ridiculous. Like, God so loved the world. And, and no matter where we're at, no matter what we do, yeah, it'll, it'll hurt our opinion. And I think that's really where it hurts our relationship. It hurts our opinion of God more than uh, it hurts God's opinion of us. He so loves you no matter what you're doing. All right. Let's go. Uh, we're getting a lot of questions now, so we're going to have to go in here quickly. Um, let's see. Hang on a sec. I apologize. Um, what do you do when you start to fall back into an old, uh, in an old bad habit uh, that is taking you away from God, but while you know it's wrong, you also don't want everyone to know? How bad it's gotten again. And you question if you should still go to church because you don't want to drag others down with you. <clears throat> I would say this. Um, 
We are a church filled with very messy people who all struggle. Let's just put that out there. Um, and the best place for you to be is in church. Uh, I'll say this. If you are struggling with those bad habits, I know your tendency is to not want to let people in and to, to, to spread lightness on your dark side. That is the best thing that you can do. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, verses uh, 23 and 24, also I believe in 25, it says, um, I'm happy to hear Um how you like that? So, uh, please forgive me. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23. All right, here we go. It says this. Um, and let us consider how many... Uh, let me go. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we professed, for he who has promised is faithful. How many of us long to be unswerving in our commitments, in our values, in our relationship with God? How many of you Okay. This next verse tells us how we can do that. All right? It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And I guess the best thing I tell you is get into a small group and don't be fake. Don't put on a plastic face. Let people in and say, I am struggling with this addiction. Because let me tell you what's going to happen. Is they are not going to judge you. They're going to accept you with open arms. And they're going to help you actually spur you along so that you can be in the So that's my quick answer to that. Next question. How do you decide what to do with your life as a Christian? Should everyone desire to work for church? Mm. Let's answer that one. I'll jump in. First off, I, I thought about this as being a musician a long time ago. I was like, if ever, why isn't everyone a musician? And then I realized if everyone's a musician, like, I wouldn't eat anything because there would be no farmers or nothing. Um, so the thing, the thing, I'm just saying, I like food, and I really appreciate people that make food. Um, but I'd say the big thing is this, is that God has called every single one of us to ministry, like full-time ministry, as Christians. The thing is, wherever you are, you are a Christian, you are representing God. Um, Paul made tents, and he is the big figure that we see, an example of how to follow Christ. Um, so I don't think it is that you have to work for a church, uh, but I think it's important that you be a part of a church uh, that is moving in a direction to help people and show Christ's love. And in the, in, in the Bible it says that when we come to know Christ, each of us is given a gift. And we are called to use that gift for the Lord. Um, that's going to look different in different people. For some of us, that's going to be taking care of children. For some of us, that's going to be set up and tear down. For some of us, that's going to be doing worship. Whatever it is that God has given us, he gives that gift to us to say, not only have I given you the gift of my son, Jesus Christ, I've given you a gift to be able to serve him and to serve me well. So, you know, a lot of times I know we're kind of like, what am I supposed to do? What is my gift? You know what? If you're not sure, there are a couple of things to help you find out. Number one, you can actually take a little assessment and it asks you these questions and it helps you figure out what is my spiritual gift? The other thing you can do is volunteer to serve somewhere, and if it fails miserably and you hate it, you're probably in the wrong area. So if you hate children, don't sign up for children's ministry. That's true, yeah. So, um, you know, that's the thing about God. You know, he calls us to him, and then he gives us what we need to be able to serve him because he loves us in the first place. So um, I just love that about him. Um, He not only calls us, but he equips us. I, you know, you, you've got to just dig into the, the thing that's right in front of you in terms of serving and let God take you further down the road where he wants to take you. 
Um, yes, we need more churches. We need more pastors. Uh, yes, if you feel called to take uh, bigger steps into a role, just like Dave, who told us, you know, I want to do ministry. Um, please let us have the opportunity to train you and teach you. We want to train and teach as many people as possible. We kind of struggle with the, uh, with the fact that we'd like more people to be more engaged um, than what we currently have. But, um, but we want people to take the appropriate next step and kind of get let God guide them from there. When I started kind of serving God, I just... I was in youth ministry. I just graduated. I was in college. So I thought the first logical step is go help in a youth ministry like the one I just came from. And so that's what I did. And God has since led me further and further to I'm here. But I couldn't have predicted this 15 years ago. This is where I would be. I just took the first step, the one that was right in front of me. And uh, that's what you guys need to do. Thank you so much, Patrick. Thank you, guys. I love you guys. You guys are amazing. Um, let's do another one. Um, you did a series about forgiveness. We actually got two questions about forgiveness. You did a series about forgiveness a while ago. I understand that we should forgive just as God forgave us. That's Ephesians 4.32. Um, but what about forgetting the wrongs that others do to us? And the Bible says we are to be judged by our works and our deeds. But how does that translate to whether or not I should not only forgive but forget as well? Let me tell you this. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you should forgive and forget. Because, you know, let's just be honest. We can't forget. You just can't. Um, one of the things that I would encourage you to do, though, is when we forgive, uh, we can forgive and not bring it up again. And I, I would say choose to do that because you can't forget. And if that's what you're kind of waiting for so that you can forgive, good luck with that one because um, you just won't. Um, I like how uh, uh, God uh, uh, writes it in Psalms. It says that he removes our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. You see, God doesn't forget. He's not an old man with Alzheimer's. He actually chooses, you know what, you, you sin, but that sin was on Jesus, and that's the reason why he died on the cross. So, uh, great question on forgiveness. Thank you so very much. Next question. The big one that got asked was, you know, am I in trouble if I, if I kill somebody in combat? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm going to start us off, and I'll let you guys kind of voice your opinion. But, but make sure when you think about taking a life that you distinguish murder from things like combat and things like capital ju- just, justice and punishment. Because those are different things. So murder is clearly wrong in the Bible. God threw that in the Ten Commandments, so it just jumped out there at us. But it was murder in the Ten Commandments, not self-defense, uh, and not um, you know doing something that's protecting other people. So um, you know those kind of things. You are you're dealing with people who are not going to stop, uh, who are not going to get hurt, and uh, and to a degree, I think God has put you in a role. Where that's that's what you're called to do. You're called to defend lives, oftentimes by having to take a life of someone who just who won't stop, um, whose whose desire is to take lives on the other side. Absolutely, that's a good. Path. All right. Uh, next question. No matter what I do, pray, talk, uh, exercise, etc., I can't hear God's will for me. How do I overcome this? Um, the, I guess the so many times we want God to you know, right, put it in like neon sign, you know, do this, marry him, go to the school, whatever. Um, I think so many times God is wanting to say, I want you to be a good father. I want you to be a great wife. I want you uh, to pray to me. I want you to spend time with me. So when you're asking about the details of God's will, uh, so many times if you want very specific, sometimes you can get very frustrated. And I guess my encouragement to you is pull back your lens a little bit and see what does God want you to do today and do that today. Because here's what I know about God. It says in Psalm 119, I believe it's in 103, that your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. And when you take a step, when he tells you, you're going to walk with that lamp 
and you're going to take another step, guess what you're going to see happen? You're going to see more of the path illuminated in front of you. So uh, I would just encourage you to that. Anybody else want to answer that? I would just add to that, um, find some good Christian friends. Find a small group. Find an accountability partner. I know that some of the times in my life when I have really been questioning what God is doing or what direction he is sending me, he will bring people into my life that will speak truth to me, and they have no idea what I'm going through. And so I've read something in the Bible, and I've been praying about something, and someone will walk up and just, bam. And I'm always blown away every time it happens, because I didn't say to this person, hey, what do you think about so-and-so? But there will just be a word of encouragement that I know God is using them to bring to me. And so when we surround ourselves with godly Christian people, Christian counselors, Christians who are a little bit further down the road than us, when we get our head in his word, we have to make time to be in the word. That is how he speaks to us. Find the time. Get your face in the word. Be in the Bible. And the other thing is, fall on your knees. Those three things right there, I promise you, God says he will meet you where you are. When you come to him, he longs to meet you there. And if you will take those three steps, I promise he will make himself known to you. Thanks, Kim. I just want to jump in here real quick. I think a big thing is that a lot of times it's not even so much about, like, what am I supposed to do? It's about who you're supposed to become. Um, Because... In, in, in looking more like Jesus and acting more like Jesus, you are fulfilling your purpose. Um, it's like if before you know a specific about like a career or a, a very you know tangible next step. The thing is like if you're looking more like Jesus and you're showing love to people that um, other people don't show love to. Um, if you are showing people forgiveness uh, when they don't deserve it, when you are you know, just making people smile when they look like they're having a bad day, those are things you're doing that are, are making you grow closer to being like how Jesus acted. And so the thing is, no matter where Jesus went, he blessed himself. And so as you're becoming more like Jesus, no matter where God takes you, you're going to be fulfilling your purpose. And, uh, um, and that's the big thing. It's like, I don't think it, God's going to say no to you helping people that are hungry or sad or sick or hurting. I want to throw this. What he said at the very beginning was so powerful. God's more interested in who you're becoming, not so much what you're doing. That is John 15. You know, if you abide in him and my words in you, you will produce much fruit. That was good, Mike. Thank you so much. Go ahead, Pat. Chris and Kim, this one is, is about parenting, so I'm going to send this one your way. But <laughs> I'm going to text you my question. <laughs> uh, I'm having a problem with, the, with my child telling the truth, taking things that don't belong to them. I've tried to discipline, uh, taking things he likes, and even giving them a fresh start. At this point, I don't have a clue what to do. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Guys, let me tell you, there is no guarantees with parenting. There just isn't. Parenting is hard. And if you think you're perfect at parenting, what, te- what that tells me is you're not spending either any time with your kids or you have no children. Uh, because it is the most humbling thing. It really is. It is. So uh, let's speak into this situation. Um, you know, the thing I would encourage you to do uh, with this individual, with your daughter or son, it's just to be able to uh, maybe sit down with them, with a counselor, and start uncovering why they're doing this. Um, we know the, the quick answer, what the Bible says, we're all sinners. I get that. But there are some things underlying there. And I would just encourage you, sometimes parenting is, is a too, too much of a difficult job to do alone. 
So maybe sit down with a counselor. We have a, a counselor on our team. His name is Jared. And you can contact him at Jared at OneChurch.tv. Um, do you have any other suggestions? Yes. Golly, I just have so many things going through my mind. Um, one of the first ones, and this is a challenge that Chris and I face often, is that as parents, we have to be consistent. And let's just be honest. Two of us in here as a parent has not gotten to the end of the day and just thought, I am not feeling like dealing with that. I'm, I'm just, I'm pooped. And I don't feel like I have the emotional and mental and spiritual strength to come at that properly. And so a lot of times we just let things go because we ourselves feel unsure or, or not sure of the direction that we should go. So number one, know that you're not alone in that. Number two, you are not your child's friend. You are your child's parent. They have plenty of friends, trust me. But you are the parent. It may take you looking in the mirror a few times and saying, you are a parent. <laughs> but do not, do not give away, and this is something that I am learning, do not give away the authority that God has given you as a parent. We are called to discipline and love our children in a godly way. Not out of anger, not out of frustration, but in a godly way. In Proverbs it says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And y'all, I'll be honest, sometimes I feel like my children are training me. You know, parents are supposed to have all the answers. I do not have all the answers, and so many things I don't know how to handle until my child drags me through it, kicking and screaming. And so I often say to them, you're teaching me how to be a parent. I'm not sure what I'm teaching you, but you're teaching me. And so I just want to challenge you and remind you, God has given you the authority as their parent. Stand in it. Believe in it. Claim it in the name of the one who has given it to you. And above all, love. Love your children. And when you blow it, as I often do, just remind them, I love you so much. I'm not perfect, but I love you. She's my wife. <laughs> All right, here's another one. Um, uh, what about holding anger in your heart? Uh, there are many people that don't know why they are so mad. What part of the Bible can uh, help them deal with anger? Uh, I'll give you two parts. Uh, one is in Ephesians 4, uh, 25 and 26. It says, don't uh, give the devil a mighty foothold. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Right. So there you go. <laughs> so anyway, it, anger has a shelf life. It's just like your milk has a shelf life. If you drink milk once the day is gone bad, it's going to make you sick. Anger has a shelf life as well, and that shelf life is one day. So if you are still angry with somebody, I mean, if you, it's okay to be angry. It, it, it says, uh, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. So there's nothing wrong with being angry. Just don't let anger take a hold of you. The other passage is found in, I believe it's in Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, and it says, uh, don't let a root of bitterness grow in your heart. And that happens when that anger just festers. So. I was just going to say, the, the, the more you understand the incredible love and grace of God, the easier it is to deal with anger because you realize how gracious God has been towards you. If you're a reader out there and you're struggling with anger, um, there's a great author out there called Philip Yancey. He writes a book called What's So Amazing About Grace? So it is phenomenal. If you can take that or just another person to walk you through God's grace from a big perspective, it will change kind of the game on how you deal with anger. Now, quick warning. Uh, I'm a small groups pastor. I have the DVD um, of this study, so... 
this guy is the goofiest looking guy you've ever seen. It's, you got to read the book, because if you watch the video, you'll laugh, and you won't hear anything he says. So, but great book, and if you're a reader, definitely, definitely dig through that. So, or make a small group go through it, because it's phenomenal. Um, another question is, what do you do when, uh, when even though you know you have been saved, yet you still feel guilty for your past and you still have things that haunt you? Even though I am not that person anymore, I am still feel all the anger and rage deep down inside. Um, guys, I'll be the first to tell you, I, I became a Christ follower three years ago. Uh, I was an atheist for ten years. I have truly done um, a lot that I am incredibly not proud of. In fact, these, most of these things are things at one point in time I was proud of. Um, and the fact is, is it, it, it hurt me for a long time, even into after I was a Christ follower. I thought that, I thought that uh, because I was so messed up before that I just deserved to continue to be messed up, so I didn't allow God to heal me and to fix me. Um, and so the biggest thing that I can tell you is, um, you know, God calls us to forgive and to love. Um, that's the biggest thing, you know, God or Jesus throughout his whole uh, ministry always comes back to, hey, uh, the most important thing is to love God and love others. Hey, I'm about to leave, which means pay attention. What I want you to do is love each other as I have loved you. The whole thing is about love. But the fact is, is God doesn't just call you to love other people. He calls you to love yourself as well. Um, and I had to realize that because God loved me, that I had to love me. And because God forgave me, I had to forgive me. And uh, that's what allowed me to overcome uh, the issues that, that I had dealt with. I heard one time, and I'll make this quick, a, a distinction between, um, in our sin, once we know that we have been forgiven of it, the difference between shame and sorrow. When we, feel, when we feel that guilt and we feel that shame, that is not the thumbprint of God. That is not the thumbprint of Jesus because when he forgives our sin, he forgives them completely. Now, we may feel sorrow or sadness over what has happened in our past or what we have done, but not shame. Shame implies that we have, have not been fully forgiven, but sorrow is the sadness over what has happened. So just keep that in mind. We're going to feel sorrow. We should not feel shame. That's good. All right. Um, uh, here's one. Uh, I struggled with this one for so long. What is the best way to have devotion time with your spouse? How is the best way to start that when you both struggling with not only financial issues but with relationship issues as well? I remember going to seminary um, and I beat myself up because I got to be honest with you, Kim and I, we've really never ever done devotions together, right? <laughs> and uh, I remember, and I just felt guilty, maybe shame, but I don't know what it was. And I just felt I was a failure as a as a husband until um, the seminary I went to was Dallas Seminary, and the president, his name was Chuck Swindoll. If you've ever heard of him, he's kind of a big deal. He wrote a bunch of books, and I remember uh, uh, I remember asking Chuck that question. And uh, I remember uh, Dr. Swindoll responded. He says, he says, Chris, he says, where in the Bible does it say you have to have devotions together? You need to be spiritual yourself. And you can talk about that as well. But don't put guilt on, on top of you that God's word doesn't say anything about. You know, you can love one another. And he says this. He says, Cynthia, his wife, loves a, a certain parts of scripture that I, that's just not really my thing. And I love the Psalms, and that's not really what Cynthia likes. And we will read separately, and sometimes we'll talk about it together. But don't beat yourself over for that. And that really has helped me. 
here's the cool thing. Um, uh, there you go. So if this is the husband and this is the wife, if the wife is pursuing Christ and the husband is pursuing Christ, the closer they get to Jesus and the closer the closer they get to one another. See that? And I think that's how so many times uh, that we can grow spiritually. Don't beat yourself up over that. So that's just me. I don't know. Somebody else can talk about that. I would just say, kind of what you said, if you're struggling, the first best place to start is to start praying together. Into each day and pray with your spouse. I mean, it's hard. It's awkward. So nobody does this without it being awkward, especially the first few times. But but look at your spouse in the face and go, what should we pray for? And, and pray together. It will be an intimate way to end the day that starts to that process of drawing you together. And if you pray together, chances are it will change the atmosphere in your marriage. And you just won't feel like arguing as easily. Um, and if you can do it at the end of the day, then when you get in a, in a major discussion and you know the attitudes just aren't right, you'll be, it'll be no more natural to pause and go, you know what, we need to pray now together and then continue this conversation. All right, next question. There's a, one I liked um, that's very pertinent to Thanksgiving. So sometimes I feel guilty about the blessings my family has received when I talk to you know, a fellow family that has been going through a lot. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. I would just say there's a, there's a great principle that I like to, to try to live by, especially around time like this, around Thanksgiving. And that is do for the one person that you know is in need, which you can't do for everybody. If you're like me, you've got a roof over your head, you've got uh, food on the table, um, I've got a, a child who's just a huge blessing in my life. And uh, I look at other people and I know they're going through difficult times, cancer comes up, or deployment and stuff like that. I would just say reach out to the person who's right in front of you and serve them. It will not only, um, you will not only do a part in helping the needs that are out there, but it will change your heart as well. Um, this next week, I would encourage you, if you've got, uh, if you're doing Thanksgiving dinner and you've got more food on the table than you need, find somebody who's got no one to hang out with Thanksgiving. If you have to walk down your neighborhood uh, and knock on doors to find somebody who's not going to get to do Thanksgiving with somebody, just invite them over to your home, do it. It will make Thanksgiving so special for you this year, not just for them. And uh, and that is one way that God transforms both of us by just, like you said, looking at blessings and going, you know what, I need to share. I need to share. Can't share with everybody. Don't know how to start. I'm just going to do the one thing that's right in front of me. And this week, that one thing, very naturally, is probably helping somebody that you see or spending Thanksgiving uh, with that person. All right. Um, got a few questions here. Um, how can a person prevent hobbies or idols from becoming an idol? Uh, again, that's a great question. And so many of us, we have no balance in our life, do we? Uh, somebody told me uh, uh, balance is only a knob on a radio. That's it. I mean, it's just uh, uh, one of our mentors, uh, Patrick, says that balance, you only experience balance when you're swinging from one extreme to the other and that momentary. So I guess I would just say... Um, the, the thing that I always ask myself this question, if it's going idle or not, is, uh, are, is that keeping you out of God's Word? Um, are, are the things that God is asking and calling you to do, are you able to do that, or have you went to extreme? Um, and all of us can get there. All of us can get there. So, um, anyway, anybody else want to comment on that? I'll just put on that. 
Um, I think another thing is like definitely what Chris said about being sure sticking away from God's word and sticking away from God's values. That's a sign. It's you know gone too far. Um, but I think something that's important too is that you know God calls us to love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I feel like sometimes we neglect the mind part. And the thing is, if God has given you a skill and a passion for something, and it's not doing anything to the build up His kingdom, figure out a way to make it do that. Um, you know, if you're really, really good at basket weaving and you're like, I should make a bunch of baskets and they sit in my, you know, corner of my room. Like, well, that's not, that's cool. I can't do that. But that's pretty, you know, it's not really helping people. But if you fill those baskets with food and give them to people, then all, all of a sudden you're doing God's work with your skill. Uh, and that can be applied to anything else. And if you need help coming up with ideas, I'll be. <laughs> <laughs> um, a general check that I do is I just check my priority list. Um, what am I placing this hobby or this uh, activity over top of? Uh, if it's if it's placed over top of spending time with my spouse, or um, you know, if I if I would rather do this than, than go preach on a Wednesday, then obviously I'm making it into an idol. So um, that that's kind of just an easiest check you can do. Uh, it's quick and easy, and gives you quick answers. So. I had a quick question about um, thoughts of suicide and, and that struggle. Um, we did a sermon series this uh, this fall when we talked about Robin Williams who committed suicide. I'll, I'll try to text the link uh, to the person who asked that question. But um, but I would just say you're not alone in your struggle with depression, your struggle with suicide, uh, and there's a lot that you need to you need to kind of attack. Um, if you need somebody to talk to, you definitely need to start a conversation. Uh, if it needs to be confidential, like we've mentioned before, Jared, um, Jared Hodges does some counseling with us. We actually give him an office space in uh, at the One Church office. He's there Monday through Thursday. Um, he'll come in other days if necessary. Reach out to him, Jared at OneChurch.tv. Very simple. And you can meet with him uh, and begin that conversation and just try to work through those things. I'd also say, you know, listen to, as you requested, listen to God's word speak into that situation. I'll send you the Robin Williams link to kind of that the, the guide that goes with that. Maybe you want to listen to that sermon. And uh, But don't be alone this holiday season. Don't process those thoughts alone. So. I know we're getting a lot of questions. Um, uh, we're going to go through these quickly. What are, your, what are the church's beliefs on communion? We do it. <laughs> Where do we do it, Dave? Um, every, every so often we have uh, um, what's what we call a living room environment, and it's something that doesn't have the guest uh, in mind. Uh, we have uh, night of worships. Uh, sometimes we have our SLA meeting or SLT meetings, different thing. Um, and that's where we do our uh, communions at. We believe that on Sunday mornings we do everything with the guests in mind, and we're not going to do something that the guests that came in and doesn't know Christ cannot participate in. Uh, so, you know, we ask that, you know, we don't do communion here, so we can do communion other places. Uh, also, small groups is a great place to do communion. Yeah, a lot of the groups do um, do communion on occasion, so it's, it's very intimate. Uh, it feels more like what you read in the Bible when they did communion. It was in a home, in a gathering of people that, that they knew each other. So. Uh, this one says, how do you get your spouse to come to church with the rest of the family? I guess I would say, um, uh, whether you're a husband or wife, don't nag. Um, don't do that. And just continue to invite, invite, invite. I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many baptism stories that we've heard from a person, guy or lady, that showed up eventually and the this other spouse came to know Jesus. So just pray, 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 and uh, continue to invite. So any other questions? Spouses or friends alike, just make them feel welcome. It's yeah, the best thing you can do. 
We're going to have to shut this down because we're getting a little bit long. So. Yeah, I think so. All right. Uh, last one is this. Somebody asked about the fear of God. Um, their kid was asking, um, you know, the Bible says we shouldn't fear God, but then the Bible says we should, and kind of what that is. And the word for fear uh, in the Old Testament that we should fear God is a reverence and an awe. Uh, God is not saying that you know, we should come out and we should cower. That's not what that's talking about. Is that we should have reverence and awe for God. So uh, that's what the fear of God looks like in the Old Testament. And uh, so um, it's just, I was talking to my son, uh, other, one of my sons the other day, just not saying God's word callously and just throwing stuff out. And, you know, that's some of those things that, uh, you know, not, it's not just about cussing, but it's just about throwing God's name out there. And I got to be honest, I struggle with that sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes I'll say, you know, Lord, you know, whatever. And it's just kind of casual. So. Anyway, the best way I put this is, um, is has, do you ever had somebody in your life that you just truly respected so much that you would do almost anything that they ask you to do? Think of God in that man. Um, God, like, sacrificed his son for you, and so out of respect, we're going to do, you know, what God asks us to do. Uh, there's actually a great book called uh, uh, Love and Respect, uh, and then there's also Love and Respect for the Family. Uh, and it's about how uh, husbands are to love their wives and wives are to respect their husbands. But then it goes into the family where parents are to love their children and kids are supposed to respect their parents. Um, and it's biblical principles and it's great. It goes into that whole reverence. Um, fear is an awful word for it. I don't know why they use that. Um, all right, very good. Guys, if we didn't get to your question, let me just tell you this. You're welcome to email all the stuff that I give by that email address. And as Luther comes out, come on here, Luther. So um, I just want to say this. We're a church that we don't have it all together, but we value communication and we value you actually asking questions of God. So many times we kind of chastise people for asking questions. And even though we may not have all the answers, I believe this is a dialogue. So this is just kind of the first step. And if you have more questions about God, Jesus, or the Bible, uh, we, I would move you towards an environment called Christianity 101 that will be starting the first week of January. And it's an environment that happens on Sunday morning while the service is going on that you can ask any question about love, faith, uh, all that stuff. So I really wouldn't push you that way. So We give out cards a lot, too, for to our first-time guests. All of us, I mean, this is this is our favorite part of what we do, is to sit down with somebody who has questions and to talk a few things with them. So if you want to take one of us to coffee, um, we'll buy the coffee. So, But we would love to address questions that you have on a face-to-face basis. So I'll buy the coffee. So, um, one of the last times we did this, I got to I got one of my best friendships over the past year because one of the ladies who asked the question was willing to sit down and have coffee with me afterwards. So please, if you identify with one of us, Ask us to ask us to you know meet you get some coffee and ask one or as many questions as you've got. Y'all heard that? Patrick's fine. Patrick's fine. <laughs> <laughs>